1: From South Bend, Indiana, at Sports Yak, this is Jimmy Shorts. Thank you, Studio DNA Podcast Network. And here's your host, Corey Mann, and Indiana Broadcast Hall of Famer, Chuck Freeby. Here it comes, episode 90. Not thrilled about this, but
0: it is the Javon Curse episode.
1: Why aren't you thrilled about
0: it? Well, it just doesn't kind of rank up with some of the names that we've had in here. Javon Curse, if you're an NFL fan, you might remember him. Tennessee Titans, he was nicknamed the Freak, coming out of Florida. First-round draft pick, All-American. Had a good NFL career. Not great. Just shows that number 90 has not been a a big-time number in sports.
1: No. <laughs> Why would they call him the freak, Chuck? Oh, uh, because he was
0: freakish talent.
1: Yeah,
0: six five, I think about two fifty, and could run the forty in like four four eight. I mean, just dynamic.
1: I don't have a cheat sheet in front of me here, so I'll, I understand. I'll let you drive. Well,
0: my friend, we we talked about this on the last show somewhat, and uh, the high school realignment for a variety of sports. And this is kind of a complex issue. So let's let's do one sport at a time here. Okay? Okay. This might be the best way to handle this is one sport at a time. I'll just start going and as you have questions, feel free to pepper me with questions.
1: Cuz you know that's how
0: I roll. I know that's how you roll. I'm and, the pepperman. And that might be how this segment works best because you can get into the weeds a little too much on some of this stuff. Okay. But in football, so that they're doing a realignment, and and for those of you who don't know, you've probably clicked already to another podcast, but um, basically every two years the IHSA looks at the enrollments of the schools, which change, and they basically have to realign who is playing whom in sectionals. It's going to be even more complicated in this two-year period because in the middle of the two-year period, Elkhart Central and Elkhart Memorial will combine and become Elkhart High School. Those two schools currently have enrollments that put them at the 5A level. When they combine, they will be at the 6A level. So for one year, they'll play at 5A as two separate entities. Then they'll play in 6A as one entity, and they'll be in a sectional with Penn. And everybody's looking forward to that because they want to see if Penn truly has a challenger here in Class 6A. Okay. In the meantime, there is also one other school in 6A, and that is Warsaw. Warsaw, last year, last couple of years, has been in Penn sectional. And everybody looked forward to that because, again, let's see if there's somebody local that can knock off Penn. And Warsaw didn't do it. Now, in the realignment, they're in a different sectional. They're in with schools two schools from Fort Wayne area, Homestead and Fort Wayne Carroll, and Noblesville. And you might say, well, why is Noblesville in a sectional with two Fort Wayne schools in Warsaw? Here's the problem you have if you're the IHSA. You're trying to you're trying to cluster these four teams together. And you start looking around and maybe you start working on the map from Northwest Indiana on over. And you can find big schools in northwest Indiana. And you've got Penn going in with Valparaiso, Portage, and Chesterton. So there's a. And then you get to northeast Indiana, and there aren't a whole lot of big schools. In fact, there's three (laughs) Warsaw, Homestead, and Carroll. So you got to bring in somebody from somewhere to be the fourth team. And it's Noblesville, who is 87
1: miles from Warsaw. Wow. But that's who they'll play in a section. So here's my thought about football, and it's cockamamie because, as you know, on the show, I know nothing about sports. You know everything about sports. That's fine. But I was thinking when you told me the other day about sectionals, you win that one, and you keep moving on. You keep progressing. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is a high school coach that could convince the school, the principal, the school board, the athletic director, look, we're going to try our hardest during the season, but ultimately this game here at the end of October is the most – important game of the season. And so win or lose, let's not worry about that, but let's worry about when I get to the sectional. Well, I'll give you a
0: perfect example of that. That is in 2A where you have a team like Bremen. Okay, Bremen plays in the Northern Indiana Conference. Bremen is the smallest school in the Northern Indiana Conference. So year after year, Bremen has to go up against teams that are bigger than they are in terms of enrollment often more athletic, often more physical. And Bremen's regular season record is rarely spectacular. It's usually right around 500, maybe a little better if they're having a good year, which they did last year. But it's usually not that great because of the caliber of competition they have to play in the regular season because of the conference they're in. Okay. But then they go into the 2A tournament, and now they've played all these tougher teams which have toughened them up and made them better, and they go into the 2A tournament, and they usually succeed. I say usually because in the realignment, one of the things that causes realignment is something called the success factor. So if you rack up one point for winning a sectional, two for winning a regional, three for a semi-state, four for a state title. If over a period of two years you accumulate six points or more, you are moving up a n- to the next higher class in the next realignment. Despite your enrollment. Right. Because of your success doesn't matter factor. if your enrollment, because of your success, you're moving up. Okay. Pioneer is the back-to-back Class 1A state champion. Therefore, they're moving on up to 2A. In the past four seasons, Pioneer is 44-1. and one. And now they're in Bremen's sectional. <laughs> <laughs> so the poor Lions are sitting there. They're going to knock themselves out in the regular season, and then they find themselves in with this behemoth in Bremen and Pioneer in the sectionals coming up this fall. Could be, yeah, wow. depending on the draw. Okay. Uh, in terms of competition depending
1: I, on the draw now what do you mean by that okay
0: so you know who the teams are in your sectional but you don't know who you're going to play oh, right oh
1: i thought you did know who you're going to play no no no, no you no, know no. who the pool is yes
0: okay and
1: the, how many are in the pool uh eight for football eight for football okay yeah all right okay but that's the one you. If you want your season to continue, you've got to win sectionals.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. And in a football sectional, there are three games. So you have you you have to win three games to get out of a football sectional. Okay. So it's a three week grind to get out of that.
1: But if you lose that first sectional, you're not you're, playing the next. You weekend. lose
0: the first game, you're done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, In terms of football sectionals, I would say the two most competitive in our area are both in 4A. Okay. In class 4A, you have schools like, uh, well, one of the sectionals, sectional number 18, okay, has Culver Academy, New Prairie, Plymouth, St. Joe. They've all built really strong programs. Mm -hmm. You got Riley and Logansport. They're both on the way up. So six of the eight teams in that sectional are really pretty good teams. And then sectional 19, right next door, has teams like Northwood, Northridge, Angola, Leo, DeKalb, Columbia City. Six of those eight teams finished with winning five records of 500 or above last year. So those teams are all pretty good. So that... Those are both really highly competitive sectionals that came up within football.
1: Any news on Kankakee Valley? I've got to keep my eye over there now.
0: Well, Kankakee Valley would be in that sectional eighteen with Culver Academy, New Prairie, Plymouth, Saint Joe. I think Culver I think Kankakee Valley will have its hands full in that sectional.
1: Of course I've got extended family over there now, yes. so I gotta keep my eye on it. So that's kind of a, a brief look at football. Okay. Now, basketball,
0: again, the success factor is in each different sport. So, for instance, a team, well, basketball is a great example because you've got Culver Academy, which won a state title two years ago, went to the state finals this year. So they've scored enough points. In boys' basketball, they are part of the success factor. They move up. Okay, Doesn't affect their girls' basketball team whatsoever. Their girls' basketball team will play in class three A, but their boys now playing class four A. And everybody was curious, well, where is Culver Academy going to wind up? What sectional are they going to put them in? And the IHSA seemed to draw north to south lines as they were creating their sectionals. And so they've got one way over in the northwest corner with, you know, Munster and those schools. They've got one that kind of comes through uh, Porter County with Valparaiso and Portage and Chesterton and those schools. And then they drew a line. They said, okay, LaPorte County and St. Joe County, we're putting you together. Now, what they could have done was they could have said, Mishawak and Penn, we're going to put you together. But there is not a single realignment that has Mishawaka and Penn in the same sectional in any sport, which just seems really, really odd Mm -hmm. to us here. Instead, they kept going south, and they put Culver Academy in a sectional with LaPorte, Michigan City, Riley, Adams, Plymouth, and Mishawaka. I'm going to tell you, Corey, that is as athletic a sectional as you're going to find in this area. (laughs) Riley, of course, uh, we know that they've had Demisey Anderson. They've had Jalen Jennings. They have had some really strong talent over the years. Adams, I did one of their games last year. They were loaded with sophomores on the varsity level last year, which means they're going to be loaded with talented juniors this season. Michigan City is going to get a new coach. We don't know who that is yet. Kyle Benj is rebuilding the program over at LaPorte. They seem to be on the rise. And Culver Academy has Trey Galloway coming back. Trey Galloway got an in-home visit from the Indiana University basketball staff on Monday and a scholarship offer. He's sitting on scholarship offers from IU, Purdue, and Notre Dame. So Culver Academy is going to be pretty salty again as well. So that's going to be one of the 4A sectionals. Okay, so we just drew you this map and we told you that they drew a line between Mishawaka and Penn. They'll shove Penn over with the Elkhart County Schools for the boys' basketball sectional. So you've got Central Memorial, Goshen, Concord, uh, Northridge, and then Warsaw will come up and be part of that sectional too. So that's a fairly strong sectional as well. We assume that that's going to be played at Northside, Gym. They they did not set host sites for these sectionals as of yet. So uh, that'll be really interesting in Class 4A. Those are the bigger schools. If there are two schools that really got, I would say, perhaps a break in this realignment, it would be Knox and New Prairie in Class 3A. Because they're both put into sectionals with teams like Kankakee Valley and Hanover Central and teams that just haven't been that strong over the years. Okay, And that might be the break that Knox or New Prairie needs to kind of break out and have some
1: success in boys' basketball. Um, Pause button real quick. Mm-hmm. Your success factor points do not carry over from Football sport to basketball sport. Correct. They stay separated by sport.
0: So Culver Academy's football team was not affected by the success of the basketball team. The girls' basketball team was not affected by the success of the boys' basketball team. Then I'll give you an example in girls' basketball. Okay, South Bend St. Joe, a couple of years ago, won a state title after going to the regional the year before. So they had moved up to 4A for the last couple of years. They played in the same sectionals as Penn. It didn't go well for them. Now that they've served their, I'll say served their time up in 4A, they come back down to the, where their actual enrollment is for this realignment, and they're back in 3A now. Starting over with what could be
1: their success factor
0: as well. Right. Okay. Yep. Every two years, that success factor resets. Okay. And that's an odd thing, too. So we mentioned Pioneer. Pioneer, I mean, you could conceivably <coughs> win three consecutive state titles in your class before you move up. Let's say, for instance, you don't win the sectional in year one of a cycle. And then you win a state championship in year two of the cycle. Well, you still don't have enough success factor points to move you up. Mm-hmm. So then you would stay in your class. And then you could win two more state titles before moving up. And that's why Pioneer is 44 and 1, but finally moving up from 1A to 2A. Let
1: me ask you this Do Michigan high school sports do anything like this? No. Here's, here's a big difference, and we kind of got into
0: this on social media yesterday with some of our followers, and always happy to hear from our followers on social media. And I think it was William who asked, you know, why does Indiana do a playoff system where everybody qualifies for the playoffs? Because that's not the way it's done in Michigan and Illinois. And the reason for that is simple math. And I used Illinois for an example. Illinois has 1,460 high schools. If you did a tournament where everybody got in, even with eight classes, which is two more than Indiana has in football, it would take you an extra two weeks just to run the tournament. The Indiana tournament is already a six-week affair for football. You'd have an eight-week football tournament. That's just insane. How many high schools in Indiana, Chuck? Uh, There's something just shy of 400.
1: There's 400 in Indiana. There's 1,400 in in Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Wow.
0: And Michigan, yeah, I'm not sure how, but Michigan has a vast number as well. Mm -hmm. So in those states, you actually have to qualify for the playoffs. There's some sort of computer points ranking where you have to be a qualifier to make the playoffs. That's not the case in Indiana.
1: I was looking for the number of Michigan high schools. Oh, Just pure curiosity.
0: Sticking with the high school scene,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, yesterday I started getting texts in the afternoon, hey, what's going on over at Fairfield? So uh, I got rumor was that the boys' basketball coach was stepping down. So I sent him a direct message because his Twitter handle is... uh, Falcon underscore B ball, and I send him a Twitter message basically saying, Hey, are you going to have to change your Twitter handle soon? Thought that might be a, a convenient a way, way. Of, of asking the question. Uh, he was kind enough to send myself and a couple of sports writers basically a letter that he had read to the team. Uh, this fellow by the name is way is named Troy Beachy. And yes, indeed, he is stepping down as the head coach at Fairfield after eight years. It's the first time I've ever had a coach uh, share with me his retirement letter. But basically, uh, he talked to the team about how, you know, he feels like being a husband, being a dad, and coaching all are things that elicit love for him. He loves his family, he lo- he loves his wife, he loves his kids, he loves his team. And being tugged in three directions was tough, but he did it because he loved all three of them. But he wanted, you know, direction from God, and he felt God had directed him into this. And he feels like God is directing him out of it now, that God is basically saying, I know you love your team, but there are times that you have to walk away and do other things, and this is what God is calling him to do. And so he has decided to hang it up at Fairfield uh, for the time being, at the very least. How old is he? Um, I would say Troy is probably in his uh, late 30s. Okay. Um So considered a a young coach, he had been there for eight years, had some success, won a sectional, won a couple of conference titles. And so that'll be an interesting job to see who winds up uh, taking that position as Fairfield, in this realignment, goes down to 2A in boys' basketball and will be in the same sectional as Westview, their arch rival. So the coaching carousel starts to spin a little bit. And we'll see. Uh, we'll see who winds up filling that job. As I mentioned earlier, Michigan City is open right now, waiting to see who handles that job. It's a it's a much quieter off season so far
1: uh, than last year was. That's for sure. Have you put your eyes on USA Today's "What We'd Change About Sports" series? No, I haven't. This could be interesting. Eleven part series started about. Yeah, it started a while ago, but they've got them all 11 together. I was just curious if you glanced at it. I literally just looked at it, and I thought, well, that'd be an interesting list to put together. So do
0: they do this by sport?
1: Looks like um, they just their staff got together at USA Today. They came up with 11 results. Here's what we would change in sports. Uh, one of them was banning tackle football for kids under 14, and they back it up with stats. Seed playoffs by record, uh, the different sports. Mm -hmm. Adopt a split-season Major League Baseball schedule. No. Well, I I understand why you want to do that, because
0: some teams are out of it by June, but I don't think that's going to help.
1: Something about golfers. Maybe we don't need an all-star game or games. I agree with that.
0: What about you? I mean, as the casual sports fan, what drives you nutty about sports? What What are some of the things that you would like to see change?
1: I don't know that I have a reason why. I think the hockey season's too long. I agree with you there. It um, is too long. They're, they should not be playing hockey games in the summertime. Yeah. I think the game of hockey might be a little too long.
0: Oh, I don't – I, I – think it fits nice into a nice two and a half hour yeah yeah
1: mm.
0: now it becomes too long when you have overtimes that go yeah. on and on and on, but that tends to be the exception rather than the rule i think I think hockey fits fits very nicely into two and a half hours much like college basketball seems to fit well into a two hour window these days.
1: I would uh, get rid of the all-star games. That's There's there's nothing there but just giant sponsorship stuff. The only all-star
0: game that's worth a hoot is Major League Baseball because you can't play some sort of – when you play baseball, you have to swing the bat, to try to hit the ball. You have to try to throw the ball past people. There's no way to to really change the game that much – Whereas when they play the NFL Pro Bowl, there's no blitzing. Well, you know, and it's just a giant game of El Paso. The quarterback can sit there and he's not going to get sacked or anything. Uh, When they play basketball for the NBA All-Star Game, there's no defense. And the same with the NHL All-Star Game. So baseball is the one sport where the All-Star Game still is played the same way.
1: I would maybe lengthen college football's schedule really, and not have so long of a month between uh, the the end of the games there, the national championship, all that stuff. Well, it's interesting you
0: bring that up because yesterday another bowl game was added to the mix. The Boston Bowl uh, will be played at Fenway Park. Corey, this is the 43rd bowl game. Now, that means that To play 43 bowl games, you got to have 86 teams. There's about 128 teams in college football. That means two-thirds of the teams are going to a bowl game. And here's the problem with that. Uh, To go to a bowl game, you're supposed to have a record of 500 or above. And I go to these press conferences, and I hear coaches say, oh, it's hard to win. It's so hard to win. You don't understand how hard it is to win. And my common response to that has been, it's not that hard 50% of the teams do it every week. Well, apparently more than 50% are doing it. (laughs) Apparently it's really easy to win because two-thirds of the teams in college football can do it. Two-thirds of the team. So why are we playing these bowl games? Well, I'll tell you why we're playing them, because they can make money.
1: Yeah, money.
0: They can make money for the towns. They make money for the schools. It's a, I don't know where the money is coming from, but you can make a ton of money doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. I have to put some more thought into that, what I would change. Yeah. So I would
0: change that. I would I, I would reduce the number of bowl games and actually make it a reward, something that you have to to try for because, quite frankly, Let's make this a, a whole circle with the discussion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we talked about, well, everybody makes the playoffs in Indiana. No matter what your regular season was like, you make the playoffs you in Indiana. You are making sectional. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not that far away from it in college football where everybody makes a bowl game.
1: You know, there was something you said a handful of episodes uh, ago, and it really made me change my thinking about, like, my son is 12 years old, And he's still kicking around, possibly playing, you know, baseball and whatnot. And we were talking about the feeding system Mm -hmm. and how I think he used a pen as an example of, you know, having these winning records in seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade. When it's like, no, 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 get to the fundamentals of the game. And then it gets important when we get to high school. That really made me change my thinking because I just, I wasn't there. Uh, I wasn't there. And maybe it's because of my... Age group, or how I was brought up, it's just like win, 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 as opposed to, you know, let's get the basics down and then start learning more. And we've got a coach in place over here, and this is his system. We're going to teach you that now. Right. So it's so a part of your DNA when you get to 10th, 11th grade, you're good to go. Now, I
0: do think it's important to keep score. I think it's important to try to win. Yes. But it, It's more important to learn the game, especially at the youth level. Yes. Anything before high school. Uh, But I do think we can overdo it going the other way sometimes. I was part of a little league at one point, not as a player but as a coach, Mm -hmm. where they made us turn off the scoreboard. So kids wouldn't know that – well – How do you teach the game? How do you teach somebody, hey, um, we're up by one. We want to prevent the winning run from getting to the plate. You play that situation differently than you do some other situations, and you can't learn that unless you're keeping score. So I I think you can overdo – To both sides obviously we know the win at all cost Mm -hmm. overdone that's that's the general complaint against youth sports that and parents thinking that every kid is going to get a scholarship somewhere and that you know every at bat is just monumental to that uh but there's the other side of that can be a problem too
1: for those who listen outside of our michiana area Elkhart, Indiana, the RV capital of the world, has three high schools. Elkhart Central, Memorial, and Concord.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you could throw Jimtown in there as Gymtown well. Jimtown in yeah. there
1: as well. Coming up next year, mm-hmm. they're going to combine Memorial and Central. Right. Uh, is that a whole new building, or is one group of students going to another?
0: Well, it's funny. My wife and I were talking about this shit at lunch yesterday. They have not put together any kind of new buildings. My understanding is the freshmen will go to one building, and then the sophomores, juniors, and seniors will be at the other building. Interesting. I think the freshmen will go to what is currently Elkhart Central, Mm -hmm. and then the other three classes will go to where Elkhart Memorial
1: is. Okay. Yeah, so there's that situation happening in our area. Yeah, so...
0: Consolidation, which, I mean, was big in the 1960s, but you don't hear of that many schools consolidating these days. Typically, what you hear of is just
1: schools closing mm-hmm. uh, or so, busting at the seams, like the high school my son will be going to in a couple of years. That's true. 1990, since this is episode 90, we're out of the 80s now. My favorite, absolute favorite decade of music. gets mm-hmm. starts getting tough for me because I was working in Top 40 Radio Chuck, but I love me some rock and roll. I remember a band called Faith No More? Vaguely. You kind of throw them into a rock, rock, rap category. matter You will never understand because it, it happens And it feels so good. It's like walking no glass. It was just one of those, started to be obscure, hmm. pre-Seattle music for me. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't listening to Pearl Jam or Soundgarden or Alice in Chains yet. Right. But these guys were kind of, sent, they were opening for Metallica and Guns N' Roses at the time, which were high on my playlists. So this was a big song for me. 1990, Epic by Faith No More. All right. Lay down, do with what do you I, got for me? I
0: think my 1990 selection will surprise you. Okay. Um, but I alluded to it in the last episode. Oh, you did? Yes. Mm. I think you get out the parachute pants, and I think you get ready to dance to the former bat boy of the Oakland Athletics. Because in 1990, when the Nasty Boys were leading the Cincinnati Reds to a World Series title, after every time that bullpen won a game for the Reds at Riverfront Stadium, they played MC Hammer. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Uh oh. Can't touch this. You can't, touch this. You can't touch
1: this. Hang on, Chuck.
0: My, my.
1: Man, this was huge. I was doing 1990? Yeah. So Pebblewood Country Club has a teen dance on Sunday nights. I could play this four times. Oh, yeah. I could easily have played this four times.
0: That 12 month period of 1990, you could not get away from that song. You
1: know, for a second,
0: I thought you were going to go with Vanilla Ice. That was the same year. I know. I know. But I was, I enjoyed the one song. But I think Hammer, to me, the story of the former charlie finley bat boy for the oakland days and now you know making his music and and then kind of the
1: rise and fall you know what you listened to u93 back in the day then yeah because i don't see you going out and buying that kind of music i did oh did you really i did cassette or cd then cd cd yeah for the car uh, in the house? Yeah. You know. Well, that about does it for episode 90. I feel good. Do you feel good? Well, Javon
0: Curse feels good because he got mentioned in this one far more than Eric Kratz did.
1: Oh, what the Kratz. Until next time, sports fans. Uga looga. Sports Yak is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. This is Jimmy Shorts. Until next time, sports fans. That's good.